welcome back to Let's Travel, where your co-host, Tisha Fuller, and I, two of the most interesting young hustlers in the world. Yeah, exactly. So who we got today, E? Not going to lie, man. I'm pretty hyped for our guest here today. He's a professional okay. onboarder, founder of his own longboarding company, New Vision Skate Co., a filmmaker, and an adventurer. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's that's definitely rad. Say less. Let's uh, let's get to it, man. Let's go. All right, bet. Let's get to it then. All right, so Josh, let's start off with your interest in, in longboarding, right? So, yeah. for some of our listeners who may not know what longboarding is, imagine a skateboard, right? But longer and wider. It's also important to note that in longboarding, the tricks that you do are a lot different than skateboarding, just by the nature of the board itself and I've had some experience, you know, longboarding as well, but definitely not as much as Josh. And before we get into all of that, uh, Josh, could you give our listeners and viewers some insight as to how you got interested in longboarding? Totally. So um, I think it was around, I was like 11 years old and probably like fifth, sixth grade going into middle school. And my parents had just recently sold my Xbox because I played it too much. Um, So I was a bit bored, you know, as typical fifth, sixth graders try to do. You just look for something to do uh, and happen to see some kids just cruising around on longboards in my neighborhood um, in South Charlotte, North Carolina. And it's kind of just like, oh, that looks kind of fun. Um, decided to save up some money and then got some birthday money that year for my 12th birthday and ended up getting a board and kind of like falling in love with it from there. And then just started creating videos with it just like an old crappy GoPro camera. I think it was like a GoPro Hero 2 whenever they like first came out pretty much. Um, and yeah, that's kind of like the brief introduction to, to longboarding for me. Yeah, man. Definitely uh, definitely feel that. it's. Uh, I mean, for the times that I did it, it was definitely a, just a lot of fun. And especially just learning a whole bunch of tricks with your friends, going out just, just thinking you have time. I mean, it's pretty cool just being able to do all of that and uh you know like what were some important experiences that that kind of led you to this interest i know you talked about you know seeing some people um longboarding and, and thinking that's cool but i mean obviously you must be a like a thrill seeker in some sort of way right yeah um i've always been kind of like into just outdoorsy stuff uh anything adventurous i mountain biked with my dad a lot growing up from like starting from like age probably seven or eight um, so that kind of fueled my love for like outdoors and adventure related activities. And then longboarding was just like another outlet for that overarching interest. Um, so yeah, just, I've always been into just anything like that. So longboarding, it fit the criteria. <laughs> word, word. I definitely feel that. And, and if, and if anyone goes on your Instagram page or YouTube channel, they can definitely see that you are posting some pretty dope content. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man. I mean, so obviously to post this type of content, you know, and the quality that you do, uh, you need to be somewhat skilled in photography and videography, right? So when did you learn to merge photography and videography with your love for longboarding as well? So um, I think my love for like filmmaking and longboarding kind of grew parallel to each other because even after the first month of me longboarding I like created my first YouTube video and it was like a tutorial on how to do like the five most basic things like a beginner would do on a longboard 
Um, like I said, just using like a GoPro here too and my dad's old video camera. Terrible quality, but like in the, at the time it was fine for a 12 year old. Um, that's kind of where those interests became aligned. And then over the years, I kind of continued like longboarding and filming together. But then it wasn't really until like beginning, late 2018, beginning of 2019 that um, I actually took a step up with filmmaking and media production in general. Um, when I actually was pursuing my own media production company, New Vision Media. So I did like more client work on the side to kind of help fund all the adventures. Um, but yeah, so the short answer is like, I've, I've had a lot of these, like the, the two passions have aligned basically since I started. Um, but the filmmaking aspect of it got a lot more serious starting in like 2019. So what does your personal creative process look like? I mean, I'm obviously like you post all this stuff constant of you going like 60 miles per hour plus on a, on a longboard or skydiving and all that stuff. Right. But, um, um, you know, like yeah. obviously with all of that, there's a process to it. Right. So I'm pretty interested to hear more about your personal process. Yeah. So the creative process definitely varies just depending on number one, what activity I'm doing. Number two, the scope of any sort of project I'm working on. Um, a lot of times it's kind of just, I'm like out doing stuff, adventuring. And like, I always bring my camera with me everywhere. So sometimes it's like more opportunistic. Like if, you know, we hike a mountain and it's really pretty, it's like take photos at the top for sunset or something. Or if it's, Absolutely. we're out longboarding and we're like feeling it on a certain road or like there's a really good scenery, we'll be like, all right, let's break out the cameras and film. Um, but then on more planned out projects, there's a lot more like pre-production that goes into it from, you know, planning out shots, storyboarding, um, everything like that. So it can kind of just vary. Um, but a lot of stuff is kind of just shot in the moment. Just always have a camera on me to capture anything in case. Um, so I'd say it's like half and half. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Cause like, I swear that's the worst. You, you trying to like live the experience, but then you can't capture it for, you know, to reflect on it again <laughs> or share with your friends. So that's a good approach. Just always have the yeah. camera handy. That's awesome. So, um, you mentioned like yeah. 2019 was a, a pivotal moment in like getting a little more serious into your, your videography and your um, photography work. Um, want to just kind of talk about that? Like what was that process like? Kind of double click on that. Yeah. So, um, I guess I'll just go back to the, to like the previous six months that kind of inspired that. So I did this big trip to Europe, um, for five weeks right after graduating high school. And after that, it kind of really got the wheels turning about what exactly I like wanted to do in life. Um, cause originally I was just in the mindset I was going to go, I was going to UNC, um, going to go through the business school there and probably get, I was thinking like investment banking just cause I didn't really know much about it. It was just like what a lot of people said. Um, so I was kind of like onto that. And then I did this trip to Europe and I was like, just, I, was, I don't even know how to describe it, but like coming back from the trip, I never felt sad to leave a trip before that. And I was like, just thinking that I have to find a way to be able to do stuff like this for the rest of my life. Like a, not, not vacation just a couple times a year. Like if I could do trips and like explore the world, not full time, but like a lot more often. Um, and then that fall, like the wheels are already turning there. Then that fall, I actually had a aunt suddenly passed away and it kind of just really hit me as like life is so fragile and like it can end at literally any moment. Like, 
it just happens. Um, and so from there, I just decided that I was going to kind of like toss out my other plans of, you know, the, the, that IV job and then kind of just pursue what really makes me happy full time. And so then I started my media company and started doing stuff like more corporate style stuff. Not as exciting as what you see all over my Instagram, but it was like stuff in the real estate industry, um, a couple of weddings and then some other like corporate companies. Like I kind of helped fund the other adventures and then helped me like progress my skills with that to be able to offer stuff to clients in the future. Um, so that's kind of where everything with pursuing the media side of things, like at a deeper level than just long, filming longboarding um, started to arise. And then it's kind of just progressed um, pretty, pretty well from there. Wow. That's awesome, man. That's uh, definitely thanks for getting vulnerable on that. I feel like I can yeah. so much dude. my, so my dad passed even it's getting close to a year yet, but not, it's like a few months shy of a year. And I'm now no, yeah, it's all good, man. But like, I'm, I definitely can relate to what you're saying. Just like seeing once you have someone close like that is just not there. It's really just like, whoa, like this is all temporary. I mean, like religion aside, this is all temporary. So live, live to the max and, and do trips. And, you know, it's like, like we were set off air. I'm in Hawaii right now. And I feel like yeah. as you were describing that trip, all the wheels are turning for me too, except yeah. me and me and E here are definitely heading into a uh, corporate America, not, uh, not really doing much with our reflection, but yeah, that's really inspiring. So thanks. And definitely, uh, you know, great story for the listeners as well. Um, yeah. but yeah, so, so, so talking about progression through long training, um, so you were pretty good in high school, right? Let's kind of take it back a bit. And then you, you, you chose to go to, um, to school at UNC, like you said, um, what was that tra um, transition like? And like, how did you make sure to keep longboarding, uh, like an essential part of your, your day to day, despite that transition? Yeah. So I'd honestly say my peak for longboarding was probably that Europe trip in 2018. Um, just because like to a degree, like the level of longboarding that you're at can kind of be determined by the amount of risk you're taking. And so it's like less just solely on skill and more like just like a numbers game. Like, am I going to risk doing this for that? Um, and I was an 18 year old right out of college, just risking it, like some stuff I wouldn't do today. Um, so going into college, I kind of just, I'd continue to longboard like here and there um, shoot, shoot a few videos. I had so much footage from that trip though, that it kind of like held me over content wise, um, while I was transitioning because it was such a big transition for me. But, um, yeah, so I kind of just still just enjoyed it, had fun, didn't longboard as much as before, but, um, still kept up with it overall and still keep up with it to this day. But no, I've never done it like every day. Um, never anything like that. That's just, feel like I'd be really tired. <laughs> it kind of takes it out of you. Um, so but yeah, that's kind of my answer there. Interesting. Okay. So, um, you know what, I'd love to talk a little bit more about like sort of your path within UNC, you know, you did decide to drop out. What was really the deciding factor for that? And how that all kind of turn out? Yeah. So, um, just with all the media, like the, with my media production company and everything like that, it all started to overwhelm me a ton. Um, so I dropped out this past September, I was a junior. Um, I, I had thoughts about it for a while, but it was one of those things that it hadn't started to 
like hold me back from doing more. It was just like extra stuff that I didn't feel like doing. Um, so I could balance it. It was definitely pretty hard at times, but I could balance it. And that was kind of the reason why I stayed. Um, but in the fall, it got to the point where I realized that if I didn't have the time commitment of college as well, that I could be more successful in what I'm doing. So that's where it made sense to, to leave school, kind of pull the plug for a little bit. Um, and people ask like if I'd ever go back and I'm like, I'm fine with, if I need to go back, I will. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say no, that that will never happen, but just kind of seeing where it goes right now. I can go back at any time and finish my degree. So I'm just kind of seeing where this all takes me. Yeah. And that's a good perspective. I think, I think, I don't know, I'd be lying if there wasn't a time when I didn't think like, is this all worth it? And like, that's something that comes to a ton of students' minds. And so, you know, that's, that, that's a good lesson. You don't always have to be like, all right, it's this way or the other way. It could be both, you know, it could just be a long break. And um, obviously you're a good, you're a big testament to how that can really work out for someone. Um, but yeah, awesome stuff. So, so yeah, let's dive more into the longboarding and the adventuring. Um, do you have a couple sponsorships, right? Uh, which ones are those and how did that sort of, how did you sort of lock those up? Yeah. So honestly, I've had, I've had more sponsorships in the past. Like as I've progressed, I've just realized longboard in itself, there's not like much money in. And so that's why I've like kind of made my own company out of it. And then, um, just kind of just rode the gear that I like and like, it's not that big of a deal, but so New Vision Skate Co is my company, technically sponsor, because I guess I own it. Um, and then Powell Peralta is a wheel company. Era Trucks is the truck company. And then just like a few other like little sponsors, basically just like free gear. Um, nothing crazy. But so, yeah, th that is kind of what we're working with right now. Um, sponsorships were definitely a lot bigger of a thing back when longboarding was more like in the prime, like 2014, 15, 16. Um, but yeah, they're still cool. Yeah. No, no I mean, sponsorships don't hurt. Yeah. It never hurts. <laughs> I'd get sponsored by anyone for doing anything if I, if I, if I could. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So like, say, let's say that like, I wanted to get sponsored as a, like an upcoming longboarder right now. Like what would I have to do? You know, how do you actually go about that? Yeah. Um, so the biggest thing that I, this is just like, with, not just with longboarding, this is with any sport, any activity with filmmaking or photography if you're trying to reach out to a company to like work with them it's just the biggest thing is like showing the company and like pitching to them what you can offer them and not really what they can give you um i mean obviously I, you guys understand that but some people it's not as as common sense as you would think um but just kind of like where's the value prop for the company you have to present that to them and like at the end of the day it's a business deal so whatever services slash representation slash promotion you provide for them they have to be selling more products than they're sending you or making more money than they're paying you um or else it just doesn't really make sense um so that's kind of the the route to go about that obviously do whatever activity it is that you're doing continue practicing continue upping the quality on that um and then when reaching out to companies just pitch something to the company that will make sense for them financially, um, logistically, and, and kind of just build relationships from there. And then the more relationships you build, the easier it is to get with other companies in the future, because then you can kind of like reference other companies and like you, you, there is some, like something to say of the credibility you get from working with certain brands or companies. So 
um, it's kind of just like a very exponential thing. Like it's very hard at first and then kind of just gets a little better and easier and you can continue up. Good stuff, man. Yeah. It's kind of like law of diminishing returns a bit, almost like an inverse of that. But yeah, <laughs> if you just, if you just get through the pain in the beginning, you know, you know like all those past efforts make the, the rest of the road a little easier. So yeah, no, no. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah, man, for sure. And speaking of the of the exponential process, right? I mean, like you've been able to work, you know, just with some pretty dope brands, just you know, with longboarding kind of outside of that, with your filming and adventuring, like GoPro, LG, Lexus, Suspicious, Movement, Motor Trend, Douchebags, Arbor Collective, Karayuma, like bro, like these are hella brands that obviously are blue chip brands, and and and, and you know, that's dope that you've been. Been able to work with them right and yeah uh, and uh i mean just curious right like how did you get in contact with these brands and what was it like to work with them? yeah um so from the beginning it's like mostly you reaching out to brands just there's different ways to do it you can sometimes do it through instagram sometimes do it through like linkedin finding the right people to contact in the company mostly on like the marketing side of things um and then sometimes certain brands just have like forms you can fill out on their website. Um, so like starting out, it was always me reaching out, but then as things grew, especially with like media, like certain videos and photos going viral, um, brands started coming, reaching out to me. So I'd say about half of those brands on that list reached out to me and half of them I reached out to. It's kind of like a split. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, definitely a huge blessing to be able to work with those brands. They're, they're, awesome brands in my opinion and um it was a lot of fun doing doing the projects with them yeah, yeah. and i remember actually seeing a video of you on sports center actually of you bombing down a hill that was pretty dope and I, I mean obviously right like i mean that's just the result of of uh you building your your personal brand up to a point where you actually are able to have it in in a way that it'll you know like the media was will be reposted on on other yeah. platforms like like ESPN right and so what would you say were some of your favorite projects while working um with these brands uh right like or like you know with like brands like GoPro or or um, Lexus for example yeah um I'd say GoPro was definitely the biggest one that was like that was like my first big one and that was a huge deal for me um, we were shooting for the launch video for their, at the time it was their Hero 8 camera and then the GoPro Max, which is their 360 camera. So we went to Norway for a week and just grinded it out. And that was a crazy experience. Um, definitely a long week, very tired, partly because Norway, like in the summer, it doesn't get dark for very long. So we were up at all hours of light, just like grinding. Um, but it was such a cool experience overall and definitely kind of like changed my outlook on like what brands I could actually work with if I like tried um, and really like marketed myself. Cause the biggest thing is just putting yourself out there because no brands are going to find you if you don't put yourself out there. So, um, and then I'd say my other favorite project was probably the project with Lexus where it was for like their new IS 350, I think. And um, I was racing a Lexus down the mountain when I was longboarding um, that was actually just here in Malibu, about an hour away from where I'm living right now. And that was a blast. Definitely something I've like never done anything like that before. So definitely new, fun, exciting. 
That's yeah, dope, bro. Who, who won the race? Uh, the Lexus won. It was for a Lexus commercial. They can't let me win. <laughs> who really won, though, when the cameras are off? I guess that's the question. But uh, I can't tell them. Signed an NDA. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, well, so like you said before, sponsorships are great, but at the end of the day, you decided to sort of go through entrepreneurship and start your own company, New Vision Skate. Um, can you talk about that? Like, what's that experience been like? What kind of led you to do that? Yeah, um, with COVID, it's been awful because the price of lumber has skyrocketed. But other than that, um, it's been very interesting seeing like the actual like physical product development side of a company because with media, like, it's technically physical, but not really because it's on a computer. So it's you're producing like assets, like video and photo assets for companies. But with this, it's an actual like tangible product and that you have to like design from start to finish. You have to design a graphic, like make a company logo. Like it's, and then build a website, figure out shipping and logistics. Like it, it was a huge learning experience for me. And we've only done one drop so far. We have a second one coming up um, first week of July. And then... Yeah, it's been a huge learning curve. Very cool experience all around though, just because I feel like I know a lot more about this side of things. Obviously still have a ton to learn, but I know a lot more than I did going into it. Um, yeah, it's it's been crazy. And then also had like a clothing line that was like a similar process, a little easier there because it's more kind of like streamlined and straightforward. Um, but between those two things, it, it definitely was a huge learning curve. Yeah. Did you have any mentors or what was the learning process for you? Just trial and error? Yeah, a lot of trial and error. I, I've had like people that I've been able to like reference for questions, but I I haven't had like a set mentor. Dang. Wow. Yeah. It's a big testament to, to your ability to grind, man. That's uh, Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, not just grinding though, but like that's just a big lesson as well as like, you know, taking the roadblocks and going over the barriers and just There'll be a lot of them for sure. <laughs> I'm exhibit A of that. It sucks, but you just got to grind through it. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's facts. Yeah, man, like you just got to find your own way. Like you said, I mean, uh, I mean, like you definitely were able to, to, you know, pioneer your way through the product development process to actually get a tangible product, right? Speaking of that product, right? So for the first shot, the new Vision Skate Co. V1, right? It's 35 and a half inches long ranging between eight, eight and a half to nine and a quarter inches inches wide. It has a rocker concave with supple micro drops, right? Made a nine ply, uh, made a nine ply Canadian maple. And for our listeners and viewers, you may not understand actually what all those terms and what, you know, those phrases mean, right? Uh, could you, so could you possibly explain, right, you know, for our listeners and, and viewers, what it was like to source the materials and the design for your, for your company's first longboard? Yeah, of course. So yeah, all those um, kind of numbers he just threw out were all like the different dimensions you have to tweak and things to do when designing a board. So it's like this, in this kind of intricate software and there's just so much to do. Um, I outsourced that, like I worked with someone who was like an expert in that software and like designed it, but I didn't, I wasn't the one tweaking the, the software just cause I have no idea how to do it. 
Um, and then in terms of like getting, sourcing like the, the raw materials, um, that was all outsourced through like a skateboard manufacturer. And then, so basically like I would take all these parts from these different things and then like bring them into one, like get the mold for like the board with all the concave and everything developed somewhere, have that sent to the skateboard manufacturer and have all the files that they need to cut out everything and put the logo on sent here, like all this, all this other stuff. But, um, it was, that part wasn't as bad as it sounds once you kind of like have the, the basic of what the board is going to be. Um, but yeah, that was definitely an interesting experience as well. And one that was huge learning experience because I had no idea how to do that. Yeah, man, for sure. I mean, that definitely sounds like, like it, it's a, it's a whole process. And, and, uh, so what would you say were some of the biggest challenges that you had when going through this process? Uh, I think the biggest challenge presented was just the whole situation with COVID and like having everything with production, just being so slow and like pushed back. Like, I think I was hoping to launch the thing, the, the company like nine months before it actually launched, but everything was just pushed back. And then like, once it gets to winter, it's not really as good to launch a company like that in the dead of winter. Um, so I was kind of waiting until like, like late, mid mid to late spring to do it. Got you. Yeah, man, that's fair. I mean, I feel like the roads aren't aren't as friendly to longboarders <laughs> in, the, in the winter time. So yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Where, For sure. And, and, on the, and on the back end of that, right? Like, so what would you say were some of the most, uh, you know, important or I guess uh, game-changing lessons that you learned about yourself or maybe just about the whole process when going through and, and starting your own company? Yeah, so learned a lot on the back end, just like I was saying, from everything from all the dirty work, making the website, designing the board, outsourcing material, working with the companies and having some some hiccups there. Um, but yeah, definitely learned just a lot about the entire process. I'm trying to think of like the way to articulate it. Um, I learned certain things, or not learned, well, kind of learned, but like made mistakes that I will go into future relationships with companies and not make the same mistakes just because that lack of experience. Um, certain things like contracts, uh, anything from like deposits, like if you're depositing a payment, like making sure everything's like, all, all the boxes are checked before you proceed with the next thing. That was like a huge thing I learned in this process. Um, and then, yeah, I'd say just those things kind of kind of sum it up. Sorry, that wasn't like the best answer to that question, but but that's kind of what I learned. No, nah, man, I mean, that's definitely pretty helpful to learn. I mean, I feel like just no matter what, right? I mean, I, I mean, there's always something to learn with anything, right? And, and hearing your own perspective about how you started the company and, and all the different problems that you face and, and how you navigate through those problems would be helpful for me, Dimitri, or any anyone else who's... Uh, who's unlistening and thinking about starting something on because I mean, there's always going to be problems. There's always going to be challenges. It's just yeah. a matter of, you know, being to really navigate your way through those challenges. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And so like, what I'm curious about is how, how'd you keep yourself motivated? Like COVID's been pushing this for months and months on end. I feel like there's so many people with like their go-to excuse, like, oh, I was going to do this, but COVID. And then it's like, <laughs> okay what have you done since so like oh well covid you know <laughs> yeah covid is the excuse for everything 
yeah, how do you like not let that excuse define what you did and just, you know, actually fall through on, on your, on your goals? Yeah, that's a good question. I think part of it was like dropping out of school kind of gives you that extrinsic motivation to like, uh, yeah, you gotta actually like pay rent and, uh, do other stuff. And then I really started reading a lot more last year, just listening to audiobooks whenever I go on like a run or in the car. Um, and just a lot of things I learned in that just kind of like got me excited to continue to kind of like build my own personal brand, build businesses, um, continue to network and like just put myself out there in the business world while adventuring, just social media and everything. Um, so just kind of stuff like that kept me motivated. And then the fact that a lot of the stuff that I wanted to do within like the U.S. obviously couldn't travel internationally. But a lot of the with domestic stuff, I could still kind of travel and do. Um, so I wasn't too, too restricted there, but it definitely, uh, definitely was different with COVID this year, for sure. <laughs> yeah, obviously the biggest change with COVID was like the supply chain process, but like, can you like tell us what is it, what is it like? Like, how do we get from design of a longboard to like the actual physical, tangible product? Yeah, so... The first process is just designing it on that software. I believe it's called Rhino. Um, you kind of design everything from like every everything on the board is like tweaked by you, and like from the curves on it, like the wheel wells, which is where like um, it gives the wheels extra clearance with the trucks from the board, and then everything. And then from there, you kind of send that to a manufacturer. They give you basically a quote on like how much stuff is going to cost on like the startup end of it. And then once everything's established, the per unit cost. Um, and some companies, some manufacturers will then kind of take the process there from you. You also have to like get artwork slash graphic, whatever you're thinking um, to them. And then they'll kind of take the process from start to finish. Um, but I was involved a little more in that process from outsourcing like the materials for the graphics. And then also just the type of wood it was it was made with like Canadian maple is kind of a standard in the longboard industry as far as wood goes um, and then yeah once they're all kind of done produced by the manufacturer then the whole shipping thing's a whole other logistical nightmare um, like I said it's just a learning experience yeah thanks yeah good stuff good insights yeah man yeah that's definitely good insights and, and it's interesting to to hear about you know uh, the entire process i mean i remember i'm um, i'm just uh from my own days of uh longboarding right like the like the material um used right i mean it would differ but like you said right Can, uh, canadian maple was a was a was a was a pretty big staple i mean just uh yeah. most every every board that um that i would use would just be made of that right and and um and like in terms of just like the actual design of the board itself right i mean like just because um well i'm guessing that you know because you're a downhill skateboarder right that you kind of you know um i guess uh you just gravitated towards designing your board for people who would also um downhill skate yeah yeah, I was definitely, I, I made it kind of with the intention that people could comfortably go fast downhill on it, but also enjoy cruising it around a college campus. Um, that's why the design's pretty simple. Uh, kind of, you can, you can do it, use it however you like. I've taken mine 
over 60 miles per hour and cruised to target on it. So <laughs> it's kind of just one of those things that I wanted one that was pretty versatile, um, just for like the market fit and the target audience I was trying to hit. Man, that's dope. And so, and so, what's it like going, you know, you know, uh, sixty miles per hour on a on a longboard? I mean, obviously, right? Like, just going that fast on a small board, right? I mean, that must be kind of pretty gnarly at times, right? Yeah, it definitely depends on the road and how smooth it is, but um, it definitely can be a bit scary. Anything above sixty is where it stops getting fun, and it's like more just like you're trying to survive because it's a little freaky. Um, but it's definitely, I don't know, it's so hard to describe the feeling of of that but it just puts you in that like flow state like you're so just like in the moment um and that's that's with like a lot of different activities that i do like skydiving very very much in the flow state and then just anything where you're like really pushing yourself like big hikes or anything like that you're just kind of in that state of flow and just living completely in the present that's that's like the best way to describe it yeah, it's funny. That kind of sounds like one of my really good friends. He he's like crazy on um, motorcycles, and so mm-hmm. like when he's going in between cars and traffic, well, oh I'm just my like, Dude, how do you stay? Because if it was me, I'm like, someone better not Freaking open out. their door, or, yeah, spit their gum out the window. Like any little thing could just yeah turn it all into a nightmare. But he's like, no, he said exactly. He says like you're in a flow state. You're just like you don't even know where you are. You're just like going. You're not thinking about yeah. anything. It's just like the adrenaline and yeah awesome. <laughs> yeah so um so where do you see new vision five years from now do you have any sort of long-term or you know mid-term goals for the company um i have more longer-term goals with the clothing company because it's like a for charity thing and that's what i really want to do like in the more in the future like more purposeful work with the long work company i could I honestly don't even know. It's so hard to say at this point. So much has changed in the last nine months that it's so hard for me to think what five years from now will be. Um, but I could see it still being a thing. I could also see myself focusing on it less and focusing more on other other bigger projects. Um, so from that standpoint, it, it's hard for me to say. But the New Vision clothing, I think, will be around just because I'm very passionate about about that kind of as- the charity aspect of things. And let's talk about the charity aspect. I mean, I'm like through through uh, the New Vision Clothing Company, right? I mean, you're um you announced actually that you're giving a hundred percent of the profits um to a charitable cause um called Global H2O that will be providing clean water to communities all across um Uganda, right? So you know, um, tell us more about that. Yeah. So, um, just going into the 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 entire process i kind of decided i don't know i remember where it was and like i'll obviously religion's out of this but um there was some religious kind of motivation behind it i just kind of like had this feeling that i just needed to do something like for charity and like this big passion project that could actually benefit the world and use the platforms that i've been blessed enough to build um to to do something bigger and so i kind of knew going into it that I wanted to do. I was, originally, it's just the first drop that was going to be for charity. And then I had a, like a huge change of heart. And I'm like, how crazy would it be if the whole company was for charity? Like each drop was for a certain cause. Um, and then just through some, through like long story, but ended up landing on the, the whole idea of building a well 
and providing like one of the basic necessities, water to an entire community. Um, I have that whole story on the newvision.co website, but uh, crazy thing, got connected with one of my friends who has an uncle that started a charity called Global H2O that literally does this exact thing. And it was just like this weird godsend moment where I was like, wow, that was just meant to work out. Um, so then the goal was to just be able to fund one entire well with the first drop of New Vision stuff. Um, and it was pretty ambitious. Like the a well costs, they're, they're, through that company specifically, it's like $8,500. So it was like a big, a lot of work ahead. Um, but ended up launching the company. Everything went well. Um, we had some donations as well, which helped us get like right up at the goal, which I was really excited about. And then for the past little while, like it's been the, the whole well building process has been a little delayed with all of the uh, COVID stuff. Uganda just got put back on lockdown again, which is crazy, but they were just finishing it up and had already sent some pictures. So I was getting excited for it. Um, we'll hopefully have more on that soon, but yeah. It was crazy process. It's taken way longer than I thought, but also super exciting. It's dope, man. Yeah, I mean that's I mean, that's great to hear that you're that again. I, I mean you're following your passions, right? I mean this is, I mean this is what this whole podcast is about—just following your passions and doing the things sure. that, that uh, bring you, um, you know, joy and also just bring you happiness, right? And and um, so before we uh, just wrap it up here, let's briefly touch on on uh you know health and wellness right so so obviously you you travel the world you find the dope spots to bomb hills on your longboard going 60 plus miles per hour right and also you're you're running a growing company and also a a pretty much a nonprofit, right but you know how do you find balance in all of this right like what types of habits or routines do you have personally that help you stay grounded yeah so i've started to really try to add some more structure to my life because sometimes I'll just like feel like I get stuck on one thing all day and then I feel like I don't do anything for the rest of the day or like anything else the rest of the day. Um, so I've started adding some structure, like uh, my to-do list every day, I'll read it right now. I'll read 30 minutes, work out, one hour of community engagement, whether it's on YouTube, Instagram, like replying to, to messages. Um, I try to get eight hours of sleep and I try to do all this while limiting my screen time to six hours a day and then 15 minutes of playing the guitar just to like kind of get creative. And then on top of that, there's just like other projects that I try to like videos I edit or companies I'm re like outreach. Um, so it kind of sounds like a lot, but structuring it and like having a, a list where I can check a box every single day uh, has definitely helped me as of the past like month or so. And so that definitely helps with balance and then being able to take a break from certain things because um, doing the doing one thing every day, even if you're doing it for 30 minutes, can sometimes feel like super repetitive. So sometimes just switching it up and having a day where I skip that activity or I don't do something, then you come back more refreshed the next time. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah, that's I mean, uh, it makes that's sense. a big testament that you can do it all even with eight hours of sleep. Oh, I have I haven't checked the eight hours of sleep box in the past little bit. Ah, <laughs> oh, darn, darn man, that's But we're at seven. Seven's still good. Yeah, it's been seven. Yeah, seven's fine. We'll work with it for now. That's good stuff. That's crazy. Um, so yeah, just kind of before closing, something that we love to ask our uh, all our guests that that come on the pod, just you know, 
And it's kind of a hard question, at least one that's like <laughs> might take some thought. Yeah, don't yeah. get too worried. But uh, how do you personally define success? So success is definitely a lot more in the happiness realm for me. Um, it kind of involves happiness, experiences, relationships, friendships, like that. It, it's much more than just a number for me. And I've always been anti, like, I don't think money will make you happy. Obviously money can give you cool experiences and like experiences can make you happy, but at the same time you can do a lot of different things in life for not as much as you think. Um, and I think the whole kind of just concept of life that society pushes is, does not cater to happiness. So if that's your definition of success, then it's hard to be successful. But they, it, society just tries to sell you on the fact that a number is, is success. But success, I don't believe, can be defined as a number. Um, so, yeah, I guess that kind of just ties into, like, any advice I would give is just find something that, that makes you tick. Like, find that thing that makes you happy and excited to get up and work towards. Um, even if you have to work a 9 to 5 while working 6 to 10 per, like, to try to, like, make your dream come true. Um, but yeah, life's short. It can end at any point. You know, I could run to the grocery store and get in a car accident. You know, you never know when it's going to end. And it's just realizing that and realizing that it's such a beautiful thing. So just embrace the uncertainty of it and just go live life to the fullest. Do it. Do what makes you happy. 100%. Yeah, man. That's That's kind of my quick little spiel. <laughs> True. That's all that, It's, uh... Yeah, be conscious in what you do and how you spend your time and always pay attention to the vision. And uh, like you said, if you're doing the nine to five or you have some sort of roadblocks in the way, just keep going. Take from Josh's example and success will come. And uh, yeah. the right success, not just society success. So exactly. awesome, man. This has been great. So uh, how can our listeners and viewers find you, your company, uh, your social media presence? How can, how can they find you? Yeah. Um, Everything can be found just through my Instagram, Josh Newman, N-E-U-M-A-N. Then I have like a link in my bio that has different links to basically everything. So Instagram is probably like the best home base. And then you can go from there pretty easily. Cool, cool, cool. And uh, all right. Well, so there you have it. Josh Newman, adventure, filmmaker, extreme (laughs) sports athlete and entrepreneur. And, um, you know, I just want to thank you again for coming on the pod here today. It was of definitely course. dope to, yeah, man, it was definitely dope to hear more about your experiences and also just, uh, you know, your, your passions for, for, you know, um, helping the community with your clothing company through new vision and also your passion for longboarding and just, you know, interest in business through starting, uh, new vision skate co and, and, uh, definitely got to keep us updated with, with um, all the all the updates for the company and also drop two coming in July of 2021, obviously in the heart of the summer yeah. when long yeah. orders are definitely going to be out, bro. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, for sure. yeah, man, I definitely excited for all that and just want to, you know, just remind everyone who hasn't done it yet for some reason, shape or form, you know, definitely got to subscribe to Let's Travel on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or just wherever you get your podcast. Because if you don't want to mean, it's all right, but kind of corny, but it's all, it's all good. No hard feelings. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man, just want to thank you again for uh, coming on the pod. It was definitely a dope uh, of course. 
a conversation here today. Definitely glad we worked it out. Thank you again for having me.